Good morning, Cornerstone. Good to have you all uh, with us this morning. Will you open up with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 3? We're going to be talking about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And specifically, we're going to be talking about kindness this morning as we have been walking through uh, the fruit of the Spirit um, through this sermon series. Uh, so if you'll open up your Bibles to Titus chapter 3, uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 8 this morning. Starting in verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable, considerate, and show true humility to all men. At one time, we too were foolish. We were disobedient and deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves in doing what is good. These things are excellent, and they're profitable for everyone. Let's pray together. Father, this morning I just, just want to say thank you for the kindness displayed to us that though we were deep in sin, you chose to save us in such an extraordinary and kind way. Father, we say thank you and ask that your spirit will move in such a way that we can truly understand your words this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I think about it, I think we have some good excuses for not being kind. You follow with me? I think we can come up this morning with a few good excuses for not being kind. Maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe you're tired or hungry. My wife, uh, Jessica, will let you know that I am not a very kind person when I'm hangry, am I? Whenever our family goes to Dollywood or the fair or anything for an extended period of time, Jessica always grabs a granola bar and puts it in her purse because when I get hangry, I'm not very kind. I become like that guy on the Snickers commercial, right? A real diva. 
So maybe hungry or tired or maybe maybe we're not kind sometimes because we get busy. When I'm busy, I, I get in the zone. I forget where I'm at. It's hard to be kind when my body is on autopilot. Here's another good reason why it's hard to be kind. Did you notice the first verse says for us to be subject and obedient and good to our political leaders? Let's be honest, it's kind of hard to be kind to all of our political leaders, amen? Especially the bad ones. Oh, and it's really hard to be kind when someone's wronged you, right? It's really hard to be kind to someone who has hurt me. Paul says in Romans that when our enemy is hungry, we should feed him. Ah, but it's hard. We have excuses. This morning, I just want to be real and honest as we approach the text. That when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit being kindness, I want to be honest that sometimes it's hard. And sometimes we have real excuses why we struggle to be kind. So this morning, I feel like maybe motivation will be our best direction with today's conversation. I think Paul lays out some motivations on why we should be kind. These motivations for kindness, they really kicked me in the pants this week, and I hope you'll be encouraged to be transformed, to be a kind person all the time, even when it's hard. The first motivation that Paul gives us is for our pre-Christian past. He, he tells us to remember what it was like when we weren't Christian. Imagine your life if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says that our lives were foolish, that we are enslaved by selfish passions and pleasures. Our selfish led to malicious and envious behaviors. Without the fruit of Spirit, listen, we are hated and we hate one another. And man, when left to his own devices, when left to be unkind people, we really become the pre-flooded earth, right? Genesis chapter 6 tells us the story of the flood. In verse 5 it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. He saw that. He was bothered by that, that every inclination, every single inclination of their thoughts was full of evil all the time. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was on evil all the time. And then in Genesis 6.11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. If you take kindness 
out of this world. It looks like the earth pre-flood. I think we can all agree the United States is becoming less and less driven by Christian culture. Amen? Things are pretty bad. There's corruption. There's violence. And sin is running rampant in our world today. But imagine with me if all kindness was removed. You remove the churches. You remove the homeless shelters. You remove the food pantries. You remove the after-school mentoring. All that would be left is violence and sin. That's the pre-flood world of Genesis chapter 6. And this is not the kingdom culture God has called us to foster in our lives and in this world, right? Jessica and I, we recently watched a movie called A Man Called Otto. Anybody seen A Man Called Otto? I'm sorry for the tears that you shed. I thought it was going to be a funny movie. It's not funny at all. Jessica and I cried through the whole movie. Anyways, the, the, the premise of this movie is about a man named Otto who loses his wife and becomes a hateful old man. His hatred and grief leads him to desperation, and he tries numerous times to end his own life. But every time he tries, he's presented with an opportunity to be kind. For example, he tried to kill himself by throwing himself, himself on a, in front of a train on the train tracks. He went to the busy train station, but before he could throw himself down on the tracks, an old man slipped and fell and got stuck. Everyone starts pointing. They took their phones out and started recording and taking pictures. And Otto gets frustrated. Why are they taking pictures? Why are they pointing? Do something. So instead of killing himself, he jumps down on the tracks. He saves the man. And ultimately, ultimately, at the end of the movie, Otto is transformed by his own kindness. He finds value and joy in life again through being kind. I'm not saying this is a Christian worldview kind of movie, but the point is that when we find our value in Jesus Christ, that should transform our lives to be kind people. And if we remove kindness, life is desperate. Our pre-Christian past, our pre-Christian past without kindness was awful. And that should motivate us to be kind people. The second motivation that Paul lays out for us is our present salvation. In fact, he says in our present, uh, uh, our present salvation, Jesus Christ, that God showed his kindness in Jesus Christ. The kindness of God sending his only son to die, to save, to wash us clean. That should motivate us to be kind people. Our present salvation includes 
the gift of the Holy Spirit who is transforming us. We need to use this gift. To not use the gift of the Holy Spirit to be kind people is a huge waste of the generosity of God. Let's say, Mike, I gift you a $100,000 pontoon. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be generous? Mike drives that pontoon home. He removes all the seats, and he puts up metal folding chairs. He removes the steering wheel and puts a potting plant. He removes the engine, and he puts some steps up to the deck. And then you and your family use this $100,000 pontoon as a sitting area outside your house. What an absolute waste of a generous gift. I would be insulted. Dude, get that pontoon on the lake, man. That's what it was created for, right? Get that thing on the lake. That's why I gave it to you. How are you using the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life? How are you using it? Galatians chapter 5, one that we've tried to read every week during this series. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ, listen to this, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we now live by the Holy Spirit, we should keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Let's not become conceited. That's not kind. Let's not become provoking and envying one another. That's not kind. You see, Paul uses an incredibly graphic and specific terminology here. He says that Jesus Christ has crucified the flesh. And our minds should just go straight to Jesus on the cross being crucified. It is now dead. The Holy Spirit's power completely transforms our lives, we've got to tap into this power. We must remain in Christ and keep in step with the Spirit, allow our present salvation to motivate us to use this gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, to become kind people. The third and final motivation that I want to share with you this morning is favorable impressions. Favorable impressions. Paul says in verse 8 that if we devote ourselves to kindness, that it will be excellent and profitable for everyone. Now, he doesn't mean it'll be excellent and profitable Cornerstone Christian Church only. He doesn't mean your Christian circle. He means everyone, believers, non-believers alike. 
kindness, kindness is a natural evangelism tool because kindness is attractive. William Somersault Maugh was an English writer born in Paris, France. His mother was a beautiful, extraordinarily beautiful woman. And oddly enough, his father was an extraordinarily ugly man. When a family friend once asked why such a beautiful woman could have married such an ugly man, she replied, he never once hurt my feelings. Kindness is attractive. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, that you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He goes on to say that you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus uses two ordinary metaphors to help us understand why our kindness matters. Jesus doesn't say, try harder to be salt and light. He says, you are salt and light. Leave a good taste, impression on this world to your kind acts. A Sunday school teacher asked her class if they knew the difference between kindness and loving kindness. And one little girl said she knew the difference. She told the teacher that kindness is like when you're asked your mother for toast and she gives it to you. But loving kindness is when you ask your mother for toast and she gives it to you with butter and jelly on it. Kindness goes the extra mile. And when it does, the world stands up and notices. And that kind of favorable impression should motivate us to be kind people. I get it. We have a lot of good excuses why it's hard to be kind all the time. I was thinking in the car this morning about how I'm still unkind at times. Just taking an, a, a, an internal evaluation before I get up here and talk to you folks. I, I am unkind still at times. But I got to thinking about how I was 10 years ago, five years ago, or even last year. And I think I'm getting better. But here's my point. 
I think I'm getting better because I stopped trying to allow rules to change me. I think I'm getting better because I stopped trying to allow rituals to change me. I think I'm getting better because I'm more open to the Holy Spirit's transformation in my life. It's slow, it's steady, but I'm being transformed. And and I hope that is some encouragement to you. That yeah, at times we don't bear the fruit of the Spirit like we should. But are you being transformed? I hope this motivation this morning of thinking of our pre-Christian past, our present salvation, motivation to be favorably impressed, leaving favorable impressions on others, I hope that will motivate us to really allow God's Spirit to transform our lives. Because, as Scripture said, it was the kindness of God shown in His Son, Jesus Christ. And those are the the thoughts that I really want us to focus on as we move into our time of communion. Of course, uh, every Sunday when we take communion, we take it together. It's a symbol of unity. This morning, let it be a symbol of unity that we're all being transformed. We're all being changed. And as we sing and reflect, think about the sacrifice it took change your life. Let's pray together. Father God, I'm just uh, so grateful for that sacrifice. I think about how you're transforming me, and I I just want to say thank you for that as well. But I know, Lord, that like many of us here, there's a lot of room to grow And there's times that I have not taken time to listen to your spirit. I pray that that will change for each one of us. That this morning we've been motivated that we've got to be kinder people. And we're motivated that this is only going to happen through the work of your Holy Spirit. And so as we celebrate and honor and worship you, we pray, Lord, your transformation will continue. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.